Welcome to the Love Fly podcast. This is Paul Tizard, Fear of Flying Coach for the last 25 years. And today's guest is Anna P. Anna P, I've known for years now, and uh, she's been on quite a journey herself. So we're looking forward to hearing your story. So welcome, Anna. Paul, how are you? Very good. I'm very excited to get you on because we've been trying for a little while now. And Anna and I have, well, we've worked together, but also, well, rather than steal your thunder, why don't you talk, talk us through your journey, beating your fear of flying and uh, you know how it started and yeah, anything you want to say, really. How long have we got, Paul? <laughs> as long as you need. <laughs> Till I get kicked out of this coffee shop. <laughs> Right, so I was looking at this um, yesterday, Paul, um, so I was trying to remember what, you know, what triggered my sort of fear of flying from the beginning, and I think what it was, it was actually my dad passed on the fear, which is really common, as we know, which is very kind of him. Um, He'd never flown in his life, but he kept on reading up on air disasters and crashes and leaving the paper around and kindly shared that info with me. And, you know, you trust your parents, planes weren't safe. That was that. And my but my mum was completely different, totally bold. And she said, we're going on holiday. That's it. You know, and at 15 and 16, we were due to go and see my gran who lived abroad. And um, and obviously I'd been fed all this information by my dad. My mum had no idea that he'd been doing this. And and yeah, it was just pure, sheer panic in the weeks leading up to the flight and um, got to Heathrow. And I don't know how I even was able to walk and my mum was saying you know are you all right yeah absolutely fine because I didn't want to show that I was I perceived myself as being weak panicking like mad and I genuinely thought I had a, I was having a heart attack at the um, at Heathrow absolutely my heart was racing so it's an impending sense of doom I was white as a sheet and in essence I knew that I was suffering from it's an undiagnosed anxiety and panic attacks but back in the day it wasn't you know you type in panic attack on on the web today it's millions of um, articles back in the day there was nothing and anyway so got onto the plane put my seatbelt on and basically I was waiting for my death on takeoff I am um, actually this this generally true I un- unbuckled my um, seatbelt and headed down the aisle for the door I just wanted to get off and it, we were already taxiing and I think we were taking off um, legs buckled and the crew sort of barked at me and my mum sort of turned white as a sheet I had to get back in my seat and, and it didn't help that I've got jumbo but jet full of people sort of staring at me whispering and it made it so much worse and for two hours I was a complete wreck all sorts of sensations in my ears in my stomach the you know the panic was hideous we had some mild turbulence, you know, for, so for me, that meant the plane was going to crash any moment. And the physical symptoms of um, panic were overwhelming. Um, I, I, I genuinely thought I was having a heart attack on that plane. So did your, um, was, your, was it just with your mum or was your dad with you as well? No, my dad would not get on a plane if you gave him sort of millions of pounds, but he wouldn't admit it. So um, absolutely, he would not fly. And obviously I caused, I thought I'd caused a scene and my mum was going to just, you know, calm down but she didn't know what a panic attack was either but I was you know convinced that I was having a heart attack full-on 
Um, and then I had to spend three weeks abroad in a heightened sort of state of anxiety because I was dredging the trip home. That's all I was focused on. I don't want to go by plane. And I think we were looking at sort of various options of coming back, but it was impossible back in the day. I don't want to give my age away. And I, I happily would have walked back to the UK if I could. That's how bad the fear was. Yeah, so you spent that whole time away just freaking out, worrying about the, the, the trip home, which is Absolutely. quite a common thing, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So what happened next? So I had to do the trip back, which was equally horrific. But I think what I think um, if I remember, this is going back a long way. I was given some sort of herbal pills and this will help you. But it didn't. It was slightly better, but still horrendous. I'm dying. This is awful. I didn't try and get off the plane on that time. So and then that's it. I said, um, I'm never, ever going to get on a plane again. And I was you know adamant that's not going to happen and and I think it's 1999 I did the first Virgin Atlantic course it was bought for me as a the, gift tell us so much <laughs> yeah so you must have come on the one before we did flights absolutely it's in the classroom and it was a, you know it's a re- realistic mock-up plane it was, a, it was just a few of us if you know, if you'd blindfolded me and told me I was in a plane, I would have believed it. But I knew it was in a classroom. I um, didn't want that gift. I don't want to pass any sort of course. I'm not flying anywhere ever again. I'm never going to go through those sensations again. And as far as I was concerned, nobody's going to cure me. So sorry, Paul. That's the first time I met you, and I said I'm not going to meet him again. So that. Thanks so much. Yeah, no. <laughs> understood. <laughs> so so no. So I said no. I'm not doing that. And in the years after that, I avoided flying like the plague. I mean, you could have given me, could have put me in business class, given me the you know biggest amount of money going. I'm not getting in there. That it was that bad. Missed out on jobs. Huge music fan, and I couldn't go to you know gigs that I really wanted to go to abroad. Missed out on holidays, and most of all, sort of exploring the world. Really, I missed out on all of that. However, I could travel. I was left with a sort of option where. It was the UK holidays. Excellent. Yeah, same old place, you know. But I did start to travel in Europe on my own. I'm doing sort of gruelling 40-hour journeys um, by coach and mainly by train. So I had a grandmother living abroad. So 40 hours. And, and, and those journeys never went to plan. So I'd miss connections, panic, try and reroute my journeys, and I'd sort of arrive at my destination like an exhausted wreck. If I'd flown, I would have been there in an hour and a half so 40 plus hours but the 40 plus hours is you felt safer doing it that way than you would have gone on a two-hour flight I guess no you see this is it if I think about it now I was actually nowhere safer because I'm dodging I'm doing sort of rail journeys in dodgy parts of Europe on my own because I needed you know to visit family abroad it was far more dangerous and, I, and looking back I put myself in a few dangerous situations so but I, that's the that's the sort of, sort of thing that I, you know, I put myself through that because I wouldn't do that hour and a half. That's how bad the fear was. So yeah, I'd get on a train. Awful. It was awful, but I'd rather do that. You did that. So from 1999, mm-hmm. you did that for sounds like about eight, maybe nine or ten years before about you came back. Years. Yeah. 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 Why I did think... you, what made you then suddenly go sod this? I've got to do something about it. Right, so I think it was the final straw. So I was travelling um, by train again from Germany to the UK and 
and it was like a particularly hot summer and um, I was tired. I was on my own, you know, Miss Independent here, really de- sort of dehydrated. I got off the train and suddenly sort of everything went black and I crashed down. I sort of passed out on the train platform in, in Cologne Station. Oh. And um, before I knew it, yeah, it was a, like a, you know, bit of drama. Everything went flying um, with all my cases. All my, I had a lot of camera gear with me. I remember it was all over the place. It was, you know, there you go. And before I knew it, I was in an ambulance on a drip with an ECG attached. And I had another 16 hours of travel to do. Just, you know, and I discharged myself, I missed all of my collection um, connections, uh, train connections, and um, ended up in a really, let's say, odd hotel in a notorious part of Brussels. And that's when I realised I had to address my fear and anxiety issues. Um, and they were starting to encroach sort of on other areas of, of, of my life, such as traveling um on the tube i started to avoid that because that sort of in, reminded me of a plane a bit yeah, that, it does do that that's you're not the first to say that where it kind of spreads a bit doesn't it yeah or using a lift i'd rather do 20 um flights of stairs than getting a lift that's how bad that panic and it was you know i did have an undiagnosed at the time panic attacks and anxiety so it all kind of made sense. Um, but it sounds but, like you had claustrophobia, you had something else going on as well there. So there was a, there was a lot to deal with by the sound of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think in 2010 it was, you know, this time we're back on the internet, had more pages, thank goodness. And I sort of signed up for the, the Virgin Flying Without Fear course once again. But, but this time I think the course had evolved and it included a flight which I didn't think I was going to take on that day. But sort of walked into this room, I think there must have been about 80, 90 people in there um, with me. It was, you know, loads of people. And it was, yeah, it was, so about 90 people in there. And there's, you know, had an introduction, I think it was Captain Mike on that day. Um, there's all the Virgin crew looking beautiful and handsome. And um, there's Jill. And Frederiki, the psychologist, you know, gave us all pep talks. And of course, Deej, great trainer at Virgin. And it was just, you know, a bunch of wonderful people there. But I was at, the, at this point, I was really sort of absolutely determined to go for it. And the Virgin courses were put together so well and, you know, structured with, with, with relaxation, Q&As from crew, trainers, captains, psychologists. No stone was, was left unturned. And the different psychological approaches were great. Tapping, paced breathing, relaxation, other sort of stuff that was a bit weird, but I went with it. But the key was there was something for everyone. And six hours later, we were on the bus to the airport. And I remember Deej saying, can you feel how bumpy this road is? And something, and he said, it's no different to turbulence. And that flicked a switch in my brain for some reason. And we got on board and I remember my yeah, and we got board team leader was Tom from VA. It was great. He held my hand. That was just an excuse. And takeoff, I thought, I wasn't sure. And I, and am I going to take off or not? And I remember I said to Tom, I'm going, I'm, I'm getting off the plane. And you were actually s- s- stood there on the sort of staircase with somebody else. And I said, I'm getting off. And you just said, yeah, OK, I'll take you for coffee. That's fine. It's fine. But are you sure? And actually... And then you said, you know, it, you know, are you really, really sure? 
no problem i'll go for coffee and then again i don't know what it was something flipped in my brain now i've got to do it sod it i've, I've just got to do this got in tom gave me some of that or go for a coffee with me so he thought well crikey, yeah i'd rather take a flight get on the flight yeah. for i say yeah. i'm panic but so yeah so well, so did that we did some, some more for sort of relaxation exercises all of us on the plane there was guided commentary that was really helpful and I was really surprised because on takeoff um, it was almost exhilarating I, I almost loved it and the views were incredible um, and I think that's that really sort of I don't know what that did I, you know not, not spiritual person but it did something to me just beautiful views it's, and I just felt free for the first time in 10-15 years wow. um, that's, that's amazing yeah, it's incredible. You know, and I've actually kept in touch with a lot of the girls in my particular group. We had a good laugh, and, and they're flying all over the world. At them, you know, still to this this day with no issue. So, what about the the claustrophobia and stuff? Did that did that start to go after the course? Right. So after the course, I mean, I was the, the, my confidence levels were it just became ridiculously high. And I really sort of worked on my anxious personality. That completely went gone. And that was with the help, you know, I practiced sort of paced breathing. I did many sort of courses in mindfulness, CBT, that sort of thing. Um, practice it religiously on a daily basis. Um, and, and I was sort of doing that without even knowing it. So basically a shy old bird turned into a peacock. How's that? love it you know the confidence levels went through the roof and I'm sort of pleased to say they stayed that way it was incredible and it really it really was sort of genuinely sort of life-changing having done the course and tackled that fear because I I do remember I remember you coming on that course but I also remember you came back a couple of times for like a top up or something was it yeah I did a top up because I think the key to this you know to the the, you know success of sort of beating this sort of you know it's good 10 11 20 years 15 year I should say fear that was in me instilled in me and I didn't practice flying that much I, I went on a flight straight after the course and then I left it for six months and you gradually allow that to creep in again so I did a few sort of very short flights after that didn't feel great and at one point I got to check out and um, check out to so check in and just yeah said I can't do it walked away so something you know wasn't right and I think I was having a little bit of a patch you know in in my personal life at that point so yeah so I did a little top-up course and I knew what to expect got on that plane it was fantastic and and again that was a it was another learning curve for me you've got to keep practicing it's you know it's like getting an instrument out and you haven't played it for 10 years you're not going to be great you're going to practice 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 back to being perfect so did the top ups and haven't looked back since as you know yeah you were amazing you were absolutely amazing and I was always impressed that you did come back and I thought it was gutsy to do that because some people think it's like a one-stop shop and I always say it's a, it's a process mm. and it takes a bit of sometimes you have to kind of recommit yourself to it because it's so easy to get into those um, unhelpful ways of thinking again isn't it that's right that's right so um I haven't stopped flying ever since, apart from this awful pandemic. That's that's the only thing that stopped me. You also came back as a team leader, so I think that's worth mentioning that you then oh, came. What what was that about then? Um, that was I actually got a call from you <laughs> asking me if I'd consider that, and I thought, is he taking the 
thingy. But it, it was, I was really honoured um, to do that, actually. And so I had my own approach. Got, I mean, as you know, I've got a bit of an over-the-top sense of humour. And I, and I think... Uh, yes, humor. I may have noticed that, yeah. And I think I just... Uh, we also... If, you know, we all had a table of 10 people, that delegates that we looked after. And it was really serious. Took it very, very seriously. But also added a little bit of humour. So when it was getting... I could see people get, getting anxious. And I think I was great at being able to tell when people were about to have a panic attack getting very anxious I could tell because I'd been through it you know I'd see that they'd be slightly shaking or they'd be sort of um, fiddling with their hair all sorts of cues that I could go in and sort of um, say something or it could have been something inappropriate that shocked them back into back into the room and you know put them off their panic and you know it was wonderful being able to give back we had crew brilliant the crew were absolutely brilliant that worked with us but often you'd, you'd have um, people say, "Well, they they don't they love their jobs. They love turbulence. They don't mind it." But have they ever had a panic attack? They, no, because they love their job. They know it's safe to fly. So yeah, it was, it was one of the, I think one of the best experiences that I've had. You know, and and the first group of ten that I took up, the whole process from them coming in, in the morning terrified to taking the flight and coming off the flight laughing and joking and being absolutely you know exhilarated looking exhilarated so yeah it was, it was amazing and you and I, I do remember you gave a lot of your time you were always very generous with your time to come along and help people and i, I always remember your kind of you'd, you'd look very professional but then every you'd come up and say something it wasn't crazy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which i think was just part of your uh, personality you know that you brought you brought that with you you know to show that you're a normal person that had a fear like they did and you've done stuff about it and you were coming back to help them on their journey so it's just brilliant you know that's it because I think a lot of people are skeptical can I you know cure was that the right word you know can I get over this because it's and some people you know everybody had a different I mean the stories were great you know some people again like me there was a lot of sort of fear passed on from family members or I think a common one was um, a fear after having kids that was um, quite common right. i think we uh, basically your life's over isn't it Baldwin. yeah so you think well it's just, just not fly as well you know i'm only joking uh, i think it's uh, i think it's the mortality that gets triggered you know i think so it's something around the responsibility or something it's uh, an interesting mm. trigger point that's it and and you know and 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 just the different professions that that were there i remember there was even psychiatrists that you think they, they wouldn't they'd know what the coping mechanisms but no it, it, you just introduce a, sort of a, a huge amount of people doing different things your everyday people that you know and and they had there's something in their life that was just bothering them they want to go on holiday they want to travel on business and they just couldn't and I think for me it was so important spending that whole day it was quite an intense day wasn't it Paul it's quite Absolutely a full day yeah yeah because you've been um, literally walking towards your your biggest fear you know you think you think flying means dying until there you are spending the day talking about it thinking about it and then we shove you on one at the end of it that's it you know and and i think it's all about the knowledge for me um even to this day it's it really is power and and particularly to this day you don't want to be sat next to me on a plane and this, one of those aircraft balls, have you? Oh, it's awful. Um, and this is actually true. a few years ago i was on a flight um, with my friend who doesn't have any fear doesn't care Every little noise I was giving guided commentary on. 
those are the flaps retracting that bump that's the wheels going into the undercarriage nothing to worry about which you know the wind I'm not joking. She actually asked a crew member if she could move seats away from me, but the plane was too full, so too bad. That's funny. Yeah. Can you move me? She's being too reassuring. <laughs> I don't need it. She's being weird again. Yeah. Um, well, I so, think that's a hell of a that's a hell of a movement that you've made. I mean, when you think about it, it started with learning from a parent, which is quite common. Then you've avoided it for a long time. You've got to the point where the fear is spread into other things. You're getting the claustrophobia and all the panic mm-hmm. disorder. And then you've come around. You ended up, even as a team leader, helping other people. I just think it's a phenomenal journey. Yeah, and I think I counted, I did a lot of research, so I did prepare today. Um, I think I counted about a thousand, about a thousand people that were, that I sort of, I didn't help them. Obviously, you guys did that, but just guided them through those days. And, you know, that I'm... Well, it was a one team, of wasn't it? I mean, it was all of us. We all did, did different things because you can only do so much from the front when you've got a room full of 100 or 200 people. And it's very mm. much down to people like you who've been there, got a high empathy, get what's going on for them and can help people at that moment, you know? Mm, absolutely. So... thousand people, that's amazing. Yeah, so that, you know, absolutely really, really proud of that. And I'm really proud of those people. And uh, like I said, we're st- still in touch with some of them, which is incredible. The flying to the Bahamas, I'm not a bit jealous, but it it, it just proves, you know, how powerful your mind is. And, and, it, and it, you can get over these fears. And it can be as, as a deep-seated fear as mine. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for, for all the humans that you've helped. Although I don't work in that programme anymore, I'm still very grateful for all that you did. And uh, and then we've stayed in touch during this part. So I wonder, sort of as we're getting near the wrap-up time, and I might get thrown out of this cup of coffee, what, what tips would you give somebody who's listening in who's not where you are from your experience? I would say gain gain knowledge because that knowledge really is power i'd say you know listen to the love fly podcast do the course if you want to take part in the social medias forums i see you know they're great you you know you, you'll see that you're far from alone it's brilliant seeing people sort of posting up pictures from the planes and three weeks before they're saying i don't think i can get on it use apps like cat you know calm and headspace daily not just when you're starting to feel anxious or panicky build it into your daily routine five to ten minutes it will do you the world of good and i think for me it's a question you know laugh at your fear ridicule it don't you know don't let that tiny voice in your head you know tell you that you're useless worthless or whatever it's telling you because it's wrong it's not a fact and you can conquer your fears and um, live free freely and happily and, you know, I'm living proof. And if you ask me to sort of pre- to fly pretty much anywhere today to deliver a pint of milk, oh, I'm there. I can do it. Another tip, don't. <laughs> well, maybe not today, a bit busy. And I'd say don't watch the cabin crew's facial expressions because I know that people that don't even have a fear do this. You know, if they look startled, it doesn't mean you're about to sort of plummet down thousands of feet or hit severe turbulence. They just probably heard a bit, you know, juicy piece of gossip. Um, from another crew member and that's all but people do do that and wind themselves up for no reason and yeah. cabin you know cabin crew so i have so much respect for them now they're not just there to serve you drinks that's the that's a minor part of the job you know they're on board paramedics counselors midwives negotiators safety experts i mean the list is endless so you know you're in safe hands 
And I think what helped me as all as well, I think this is actually really useful as well as, as was watching landings and takeoffs on, on YouTube. Not the ones that say, you know, severe turbulence nearly killed me, that sort of thing. Just normal, boring takeoffs and, and um, landings. And um, there's a really nice aviation reviewer on there called Noel Phillips, and his, his videos are worth a watch because there's no sort of scaremongering. It's just reviewing planes and, you know, sh showing the environment. So you can see it's quite a normal environment um, and it's all safe. I've heard that one. So Noel Phillips, is it? Noel so, Phillips, apps, and there's a wonderful guy. Really, really nice chat. So. Well, that's useful because people need things. So you talked about, other people have talked about the benefits of doing something daily in terms of the headspace or the calm. And mm -hmm. I agree with that because it's practicing the, the pace breathing or whatever you want to call it when it Absolutely. doesn't matter. So that when you do need it, it's much easier to call upon, isn't it? So it's... Uh, if, well, that's you were, if you're going to exit, if you're going to go and run in a race, you wouldn't just fly train once. You'd have to train every day consistently, ready to do the race. And I think it's the same with flying: is that we, you need to prepare yourself longer term rather than just kind of. Because I know a lot of people used that's to like, literally go on a course the day before they're doing a flight, <laughs> and I think it puts too much pressure yeah. on an individual, doesn't it? That's it, and it's also the same like, for me. If another thing is, don't let somebody buy you a course because we saw it didn't work. If It's got to be you that wants to sort of get over your own fear, not for the sake of your husband, wife, partner, whoever bought you that course, because it just put immense pressure on, on, on you. So you've got to do it when you're ready, not for totally anybody. Agree. Totally agree. I, mean, I used to do gift vouchers, but I, was, I stopped doing them because I was thinking, that contradicts something which I believe, which is exactly that. You've got to do it for you. And if somebody mm. buys it for you, it's fine if you said, oh, you know, buy me a course place. But generally people yeah. go, ta-da, surprise. And you think, oh, great. Just like you did. Yeah. You feel compliant. You feel like you have to then go along with it, don't you? You do. And, and you put that pressure on. And, you know, nine times out of ten, people couldn't do the flight or they did it and they were just a bag of misery at the end. And, and you know, so anxious and and it that would have taken them back a few steps i think there's a lot of people will do flights we're talking like becky on the last pet podcast was talking mm. about you know like she went on the easy jet one and they said at the end it was cured and i've always been a bit nervous at the word cured because no. some people won't i don't believe it's like a fixed like an on-off it's it's a process isn't it so um you know, I and i'm I, not criticizing the course at all no. i'm just saying that i'm very nervous of that word and I, you know, and, and cured, no. I mean, you know, I haven't flown, like I said, probably since 2020, early 2020 or 20 to 2019. I'm probably going to be a little bit nervous before, you know, the, uh, the sort of state of aviation has changed. There's some, some of the rules have changed. It's, it's all a bit different. I'm probably going to feel a little bit anxious, but I know that I'm getting on a certain, I'm going to be safe. I'll get to my destination. There's no issue but I'm going to have to practice a little bit. And I think another point is that you don't have to, don't expect to love flying. That is fantastic. You don't have to put yourself again under pressure. I have got to love it. You just have to tolerate it and be okay and be able to sort of watch a movie and, you know, that's all. So again, it's, a, it's additional pressure that you don't need. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I've often, I know I've often said that, but it is, you know, it's a means of transport, it's just exceptionally safe means of transport, but for most people, it's just a kind of means to an end, and it, for it to be a non-event is, is high success, you know, you haven't got to love it like we do. 
Mm. I, I love a bit of turbulence. So, you know, I, I sit there, I think, I, I sort of like put the seatbelt on a bit tired and go, go on, bring it on, do your worst. Because I know I don't, I know nothing's going to happen, but I know a lot of people don't feel like that and think that I'm weird. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I'm going to answer that. Just um, that. yeah. <laughs> well, Anna P, you've been absolutely amazing as always. And I'm so glad that we've got a chance to do this because it's been a long time coming. And you've just been amazing. So thanks for all the times that you've helped out. And hopefully in the future, there'll be some more opportunities that we can do some stuff together again. But in the meantime, this podcast will go out and, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's something like nearly 7,000 downloads a month now, which is just bonkers, isn't it? So it's you'll great. be helping all those humans that you never meet. That, I mean, it's brilliant. And, um, and yeah, and, and I think people should get involved in that forum because I think it's great, especially in the Facebook one. And, and post more pictures. Make me jealous. <laughs> Anna P, you are awesome. Thank you ever so much. Thank you, Paul. And, you know, thank you because you're the one that pretty much helped me. <laughs>